Hello and welcome to Raw Fork Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Marina Buxov, or just Dr. Book for short. I'm a community pharmacist and an herbalist dedicated to serving my clients in the best way that I know how. I'm bringing you this podcast to share with you like-minded pharmacists and herbalists that want to work alongside each other and share similar visions for patient care. Please enjoy the show. Hello, hello again. I'm back with the second episode this week as part of the special double feature to make up for lost time last week. I had the pleasure to interview Dr. Laura Hedrick, a pharmacy leader, entrepreneur, health and wellness consultant, personal trainer, and exercises medicine advocate. We got a bit carried away in our our long chat about our personal stories and the passion we share for natural and preventative medicine. In addition to managing a local CVS, Dr. Hedrick holds certifications in diabetes education, personal training, and fitness nutrition. She's the owner of PharmD Fitness LLC, a health and wellness consulting business. Dr. Hedrick is an advocate for all things movement related and incorporates food and exercise is medicine into her wellness education. She loves lifting weights, but still does yoga every day to promote mobility and flexibility. She loves to read, especially books that she can translate into easy to implement lifestyle changes. She started her business with the purpose of educating people on the importance of leading a healthy lifestyle. Her passion to encourage women to lift weights and bring out their inner warriors shines through this interview. I hope you enjoy it as much as we did. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Raw Fork Podcast. I have with me today, Dr. Laura Hedrick. She's a pharmacist, business owner, and personal trainer. So Laura, go ahead and take it away. Introduce yourself. Hi. Hey, everybody. Um, My name is Laura Hedricks. I have been a pharmacist for 13 years. Pretty crazy. Um, personal trainer for about five. Um, recently became a certified diabetes educator um, and kind of started my company about a year ago um, in April because I wanted to try to make it more of an impact on people um, in a preventative setting instead of after the fact when we're dealing with you know comorbidities and medication and chronic disease, I really wanted to try to get in before all that happened, or at least help slow that down um, for some people, maybe even in some cases, reverse it so that they don't have to be on a ton of medications for the rest of their lives. Yeah, I love that. Prevention can save us a lot of money and a lot of time. And yes. Yeah, a lot of comorbidities, as you said. Um, so also tell us, please, where you grew up and where you went to pharmacy school and why you chose pharmacy as a career in the first yeah. place. Um, so I grew up in Statesville, North Carolina, um, went to Campbell University um, in Bowie's Creek, North Carolina. So about two hours away from where I grew up. Um, I chose pharmacy because I always liked um, science and I, I wanted to do something medical, but I didn't really like nursing doctor that really wasn't for me and then um, I worked in a pharmacy when I was 16 that was my first job as a technician and just kind of fell in love with 
how medications can impact us and really anything that we take in and consume and what kind of effect that has on our body. It just really interests me. Um, I remember my first day in the pharmacy, I went home and cried because I told mom, I felt like such an idiot. Like, how was I ever going to learn any of this? It felt like it was just a foreign language, but then I was, so I got to go back. I have to learn more. This is, this is amazing. So um, I think that really sealed it for me that that was what I was going to do. I had a great boss that encouraged me to um, go to pharmacy school and continue learning. So um, yeah. And then I never looked back. I loved it. The instant that I went to school and all the science classes, I felt like that was really what I was called to do. Yeah, that's so similar to my own experience. I also started when I was 16 in a local pharmacy and my boss encouraged me to pursue pharmacy school. And also she was the one who turned me on to like the integrative health model because she went on to get her naturopathic doctor's degree. Oh, okay. Yeah, um, so that's wonderful. So uh, what did you do right after graduation? Where did you practice? Yeah, uh, right after graduation, I, um, my ex-husband was in the military, so we moved around a lot. Um, and I just, I started with um, CVS because I knew I was going to be moving and that felt like the easiest thing to be able to do was to work with a national company where I could easily transfer state to state. Um, still had to get licensed in all the states, but it was, at least I knew I had a job wherever I was going. Um, so did that for several years and then in 2015 I want to say right around that time frame um, we both kind of started our own journey of trying to figure out our own health I mean some of this I feel like I, ne I never learned in school and we're not taught nutrition really anywhere <laughs> I mean honestly we're not um, and I felt like, okay, I, this, these are things that I need to know to be able to help my patients. Um, and it just kind of snowballed from there, um, learning about the macronutrients that I felt like I, I never was taught that, um, exercise, you know, what's the right amount of exercise, right amount of resistance training, right amount of running, um, cardio. And that just kind of spurred me along to, to continue this journey and really it started with my own health which I think is how a lot of people do like there's something going on and let me do this research and then you just kind of go down the rabbit hole of oh my gosh these are all these things that I, I never knew um, and most importantly like I've had a lot of like stomach issues my whole life and just learning how to deal that without medication it is entirely possible and that's kind of what I'm trying to um, in part with people that come into the pharmacy and um, especially proton pump inhibitors, they get put on those and they never come off. Um, and there, there are lots of dangerous side effects with those. Um, I had that myself because I was on one for almost 15 years. I'm still dealing with the aftermath of that and trying to heal my stomach. And it was gluten um, that is the main source of problems for me. So it's pretty crazy. Yeah, definitely. A lot of people start doing this work and start looking into alternative options of healing yeah. when they themselves suffer from some weird, obscure 
condition. Exactly. Yeah. Or if they have to chronically be put on a medication and they want to get off, or if a family or loved one is diagnosed with something and they want to yes. start researching and helping. So I can totally relate to, uh, I was put on a protein pump inhibitor as well when I was, I think, 20 or 21. Mm -hmm. So that was, you know, and then I was on it for about six months before my pharmacist actually encouraged me to start, you know, treating my diet differently and taking a probiotic and um, switching to less acidic foods and, you know, solving my issues that way. So that really started me on my path and my journey as well. I could totally relate. It's pretty amazing how taking something that you, I mean, most people don't even think is a real issue right now, sadly, um, and then just totally taking it out and it's like a complete miracle. I mean, now that I don't have to take any medication for an acid, like for acid reflux, and I had had to do that my whole entire life. I mean, my parents truly believe it is, it is just an absolute miracle. Like they can't get over it. I mean, I, I used to not be able to eat. I mean, it was ridiculous. And just a few simple things of just not eating it and who cares. And people ask me, oh, don't you miss like cakes and cookies and bread? Well, no, because that hurts me. <laughs> so like, I understand now um, and trying to get people to realize that, that, you know, it's not really that much of a sacrifice if you don't have to take medication for the rest of your life that's expensive and all you have to do is control it with what you eat. Um, I think that message doesn't get out in the doctor's office. Um, and I hope to try to like encourage people more to, to think along those lines and hopefully one day it'll all be functional medicine and the system that we have now will be gone. <laughs> yeah. That's what I, I pray for, but agreed. Agreed. Um, I also find that a lot of the times patients want a prescription and want a quick fix for their symptoms. Yes. They don't realize what they're signing up for when they take an extra antibiotic or right. on a proton pump inhibitor, or they go to some invasive procedure when it could be avoided. So like insurance plans can approve it, doctor can approve it, but um, usually we were taught to do non-pharmacological methods first and somehow right. nobody wants to spend the time doing that. Yeah, no, I mean, nobody wants to do that now. And I've really made it a point, and, and this is just in the last couple of years too, of trying to impart the, the dangers of some of these medications long-term. Because I think, I mean, short-term, okay, you know, I understand there's lots of different reasons why we have to do that, but people need to know that over the long term, hey, if you're going to be on this, then you could be B12 deficient. I mean, you could have micronutrient issues. And that's really what happened to me. Um, and it's a miracle that I don't have thyroid issues right now because of being B12 deficient for almost my whole life now because of this medication. Um, and people just don't realize. And they're very shocked, too. I've, I found out lately when I just give them even as one or two, hey, you know, this can cause um, this, this issue here, you know, if these interact, you could have um, dizziness, headache, nausea, I mean, you know, there's all these interactions, and I, I don't think that they get that in the doctor's office, I think they get that this is great, this is going to solve all your problems. And that's just really not the case. 
Well, so a patient comes to the doctor, they have a problem. The doctor gives them a prescription. They go to the pharmacy and they fill a prescription, but they don't realize that they're going to have to be on this in order for the symptoms not to come back. Right. Get off, the symptoms are likely to skyrocket back up, Mm -hmm. negative feedback and everything like that. So it's actually very hard to, once you start, get off or take off. And so um, we as pharmacists know the side effects, but we often, I feel like, have to walk that thin line of educating the patient to the point where they don't take the medication because that is how the pharmacy makes money by dispensing the medication. So if we start to tell them this whole list of side effects, then they'd be like, actually, maybe I shouldn't take it. So it's like a very, actually very interesting position that we're put on where we educate and then they might not take it. And then now we have to fill in the gap and tell them something that will solve their issues, but the payment is not coming through that way. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's very difficult. I find like sometimes I'm, I'm just trying to walk that line of like, wow, I really want to help people. And I don't know if this is necessarily the way to go or, you know, can you try something else? And, and then there's time constraints and, um, I think for the most part, most people, they, I haven't had anybody say, I don't want, you know, to take that now, but most of them are like, thank you for telling me that because my doctor told me nothing. <laughs> so that is kind of how I feel like I'm trying to, you know, broach the subject. And Hey, also, you know, if you're doing this, have you thought about this? Um, I do that a lot with any, especially the proton pump inhibitors. Hey, you know, here's the medication. These are the the side effects. Have you thought about getting a food sensitivity test? Um, Have you thought about eliminating um, dairy or gluten and and trying to just put those like little bugs in their ears so that they'll think about those kinds of things too? Yeah, absolutely. So I find myself in the same thing, like, you know, recommending probiotics when they're on an antibiotic, if maybe a digestive enzyme is what they need, recommending like papaya seeds or pineapple. And again, looking at their diet and what's causing Mm -hmm. them to not digest, or maybe suggesting bitter herbs to help them with their digestion and liver function. Yeah. So it's, it's tough. I feel like we were predicament harder and harder um because people are more people are taking medications all i mean it's just a thing everybody takes medication i feel like and then it's it's more and more and all these different interactions and i find myself like just looking at a profile and like oh my gosh this might interact with this and you know it's it's so difficult to to impart that information and then to make sure that we catch those interactions too, that a lot of times the doctors are not aware of or they're not, they're not looking at it and they're not thinking along those lines. Um, It can be really, really difficult. Yeah. Or like, let's say we know a few big interactions, right? Big no-nos and we catch them. But then a lot of them we don't know, especially if somebody's like on 15, 20, Patients, we don't really know how they interact in the body and what to do. Yeah, I mean, who knows? I mean, some everyone's a little bit different too. Um, yeah, it's 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 just becoming an, an overwhelming thing. I think all the all the um, interactions, just the 
overwhelming sense of trying to manage all the drug interactions and make sure we catch it if it's there. That's the, the sad thing. Like sometimes I'm so scared I'm not going to catch an interaction. Um, and I, I definitely don't want to do any harm to anyone. Yeah. Um, so that's a, that's a fear of mine now. Yeah. And I was just talking to somebody else, another pharmacist in one of my podcast interviews about the whole overall burden on our healthcare system with the medications and how if something's out of stock or in backward or supply issues, you know, that all affects our care for the patient. But also we could avoid a lot of that if we do the non-pharmacological methods of keeping people healthy. Yeah. And definitely the preventative for sure. Yeah. Especially now, um, there, I mean, it seems like there's almost everything is on back order and it's like, I don't know when I'm going to get this in and now I'm not sure about this one. And it's just, it's terrible. (laughs) Yeah. This situation, as horrible as it is, it is, you know, opening our eyes to a lot of problems or potential solutions too you know, to not have these supply issues and just reserve maybe the medications to the people that really need them in acute care settings. And then in the outpatient, if there could be more education um, towards better, you know, self-care and things that you could do to mitigate some conditions. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Another point that I wanted to make, let me think. Um, So, say somebody comes in and they don't want to be on a medication so now as a pharmacist we're not really allowed to take them off their medication so um i i feel like a lot of times people who have insurance they will opt to take the medication that's covered but as soon as something is not covered or they don't have insurance that's when they'll start thinking okay what else can i do what can i do now Yeah. yeah So I think insurance is a big part of the picture too, because if they pay for more preventative means, then we wouldn't have all this financial burden on getting a medication. Yeah, yeah, especially like the preventative as far as like insurance should pay for, I mean, I think some do, but not all of them, Um, a gym membership or personal training or um, a dietitian to help you lose weight. I mean, I feel like there's all these things that, insurance should do and it does it's not always there no. um, and the same with some of the physicians offices and having a, a dietitian on staff having a personal trainer on staff I mean I feel like that is the way to go and that's the future is someone comes in and they can be seen by the doctor be seen by a dietitian be seen by someone who can help them build an exercise plan And that's kind of like what I'm trying to do with my company is to get into that niche. And I would love to work with doctor's offices. Um, I had, (laughs) it was going to happen this summer. Um, I was working with a chain of doctor's offices here um, in North Carolina and be a part of their diabetes education program. Um, which was six like classes that they would come to and uh, we were going to do medication management and then also have an exercise piece which they did not have until I talked to them because I feel like that's very important Um, and now I don't know what's going to happen with COVID because they were going to try to change it to web 
classes. And so maybe that's going to be pushed to the fall, but I'm, I am very excited about that because I feel like that's needed. Um, they have a lot of nutritionists on staff and diabetes educators, but none of them specialize in exercise or making an exercise program. And it really wasn't even in their, their um, classes, which I was kind of like, oh gosh, you have this in there. I mean, this is important. You know, just even talking about the physical fitness guidelines, um, just the, the minimum of getting people to just get out and walk, be more active. It doesn't have to be really hard. I mean, you can't go from doing nothing to, you know, being two hours in the gym every day. Um, that's not feasible. Trying to create a plan where they really can make little steps to be active and get them to to under to buy in to how that will make them feel later and if they can just start doing it then they'll do it on their own of course because it, it makes you feel so much better yeah absolutely uh i think a web option actually can be very doable i mean nowadays like everybody's interacting on mm -hmm. zoom you can certainly watch somebody's body language and like instruct them how to do it yeah. and demonstrate from your own home. So I think that's something to consider because we don't even know how long this COVID thing will be around. It could be, you know, yeah. months, could be even a couple of years, I feel like. So, um, so yeah, that's a good option. And exercise is certainly so important. Yeah. It's free, cheap, accessible. Oh yeah. I mean, so, it, it's so, yeah. God, I mean, that's why I've, I've tried to impart that too and say, you know, you don't have to pay to go walk in your neighborhood. Um, you don't have to pay to do body weight squats. You can do those things on your own with, without, with minimal equipment. There, there are exercise um, routines that you can create that don't have any equipment. It's just your body. And those are, those are great. Yeah, I think I'm exercising when I'm vacuuming or mopping. So I tell myself, like, this is my exercise, you know. Yeah, you got kids, like, throw the kids around, you know, lift them up. Um, yeah, body weight with the kid. Yes. My, my nephew wants to, they, they try to make me do push-ups, and they'll, like, sit on my back. And, I mean, it's just, you can make it, you can make it fun, too. Yeah. And that's what I'm trying to get people to kind of realize that, it doesn't always have to be hard and it doesn't always have to be so complicated. Um, just get out there and move, just move more. <laughs> Absolutely. That's such a great, you know, point. Michelle Obama was all about that too. And, yes. you know, you can make it fun. Like you said, it, you can make it as a family thing, you know, your friends, partners, your children. And if you do have kids, you can teach them, by doing it and showing them how it's done you know you can't just tell them hey you know go do this and that you have to actually be engaged with that and then that yeah. they will start to copy you and learn what you do and your eating habits your exercising habits they're watching and they're following what you do so oh, it's a absolutely. way to like get the whole family healthy yeah they um they watch everything you do even when you don't think they're paying any attention yeah, absolutely. And I also want to go back to when you said um, people are asking you if you miss eating cakes or other glutinous substances. Yeah. And, you know, yeah, one thing is why would you eat them if they're hurting you and you're feeling the symptoms? Right, yeah. Number two, 
even if a person doesn't feel the symptoms, like, you know, as acutely as you did with a food sensitivity, they, it could still be hurting them and it might show up years later. It might show up as a skin condition, acne, eczema, psoriasis, and any other autoimmune condition. It might show up as arthritis. It might show up as diabetes with, you know, all those sugars in, in our bloodstream. So, you know, sometimes it could show up as cancer with inflammation. Yeah. So migraines is a, is a big one, I think, um, that I, and I, and I try to tell people that too, Hey, you know, mine was just obvious because it's instant, like acid reflux, but for other people years down the road, it, it can lead to these chronic diseases. Um, I don't know if you've ever read uh, grain brain by Dr. Perlmutter. Um, he, he has a really great section about gluten and how it affects people in so many ways that nobody, nobody puts two and two together until you look at the research like he's done um, with gluten. And I mean, he basically says, get it out. It doesn't matter who you are that you probably should not eat it. Yeah. Um, and I'm like understanding how the um, protein, how we react to that gluten protein and what it does to us makes a ton of sense. Uh, and I hope that eventually like that, that research is going to get more to the mainstream and people won't, I mean, I think it's definitely changing, but some people I, I still think believe it's, you know, all in your head. Right. Yeah. Gluten, or if you don't have celiac disease, then you don't have a gluten issue. Um, and I just think there's a huge spectrum of that where you, you might have an issue and it could be headaches, but who's people don't put two and two together with what they eat mm -hmm. to how they feel. And I hope that changes. And I, I think it will. I think the research is finally, finally getting there. Yeah. And people are resistant to change, you know, and especially if it's a favorite food and it makes them feel good, you know, for an hour or two, but afterwards they have this problem that they're not connecting it to. And if they would just experiment with like a food elimination diet, they could see how, how else it's possible to feel. Yeah, definitely. I mean, and I keep trying to say, just experiment with yourself. Like it's not going to hurt you to do that for a week and see how you feel or even take dairy out. You know, dairy was something that I really, like I have a sensitivity to the casein protein. So some, I can, sometimes I can have it, you know, it just depends. Um, but I noticed that it wasn't just my acid reflux, but it was acne. So if I have, if I start having more dairy type products, then I have breakouts, which I never put that together before. Um, and still I, until I started eliminating for my stomach and then I figured out all this other stuff too, <laughs> that it was causing, it's pretty crazy. Yeah, there's a lot of research about dairy, especially conventional dairy, and how we lose the enzymes to digest it after we're about four years old. And yeah. the fact that we're eating like another species dairy, sometimes by fermenting it, it's more digestible or, you know, culturing it. Mm -hmm. And or some people have like the raw, you know, local farmers dairy without seemingly a problem but you know when it's processed on such a large scale and packaged and shipped from the local place to like somewhere across the nation you know it's really different the quality really changes yeah. and you know there's a reason I think why so many people are discovering these food sensitivities and allergies and autoimmune conditions and 
I think it's, you know, tied to our food supply in general. So I've been reading a lot of Michael Pollan and Dr. Mark Hyman. Oh, yes. You know, and it's like, yeah, what have we done to our food supply? We've taken everything that was good, nutritious food and tried to break it up into nutrients and then like sell it as part of the nutraceutical industry or like put it in processed packaged foods as and marketing it as healthy when you should be just eating it doesn't have to be complicated just eat real food yeah just just eat it i mean people um actually at work like because every day i like i i never eat fast food i i just like you'd have to i mean you'd have to physically drag me there and like shove it in my face like i just would not do it but um i i make my salads and they're not overly complicated it's usually like kale and then just some different greens that i feel like that day and whatever vegetable i want to throw in and then sometimes i'll put in like a berry so like blueberries or kiwi and it's very simple and then all of oil for dressing and that's it but i mean it fills me up and everybody's like your salads always look so good and i'm like well they're easy. I mean, they're just easy. It's just raw ingredients just thrown together. I don't even think about it. I make three. Um, that's a big thing is meal prepping. I think that would help people. So I have several days in a row that I work. I just have my bowls and I just toss, toss, toss and throw a bunch of stuff in and there I have my lunch and throw a protein with it, whatever I feel like that day. And it's very easy. Um, I think people get maybe they see like online oh this person created this this elaborate recipe and i'll i'll never be able to do it like you don't even have to do that like it's not even necessary i i'm not a good cook but i can throw a whole bunch of ingredients together and you know make it something or just raw vegetables it's super easy much easier than people think yeah absolutely and i feel like now people are more open to cooking because they don't really have any other options all the restaurants closed down some are still open for delivery but it's certainly not the same like in new york you know you could really feel it some are actually opening back up now but um but i think it has made a lot of people consider cooking more at home Mm -hmm. um and i think it all starts with like shopping for the ingredients so So just don't buy the junk that's packaged in any kind of like plastic and market (laughs) as good, Um, but buy real foods. And also I feel like oil and fat has been villainized, but that is what gives you the satisfaction and it adds flavor to your food. And we do need it for cholesterol and to keep our hormones going and it's part of our cell membranes. So as long as it's a good quality sourced fat and not a trans fat or something else or like you know factory farmed animal then you can have fats in your food yeah I, th- I think that's another thing that people don't um they don't understand and the the message for so long was fat is bad and we are still trying to overcome that misinformation and you know let people know that they i mean they have to get fat you, you need fat like fat your body has to have fat to function um and, and that's one thing I do try to teach with like any client or anybody that asks me, like I probably eat more fat than I do any other nutrient. And I don't like, I don't have to snack and I don't have where my sugar bottoms out. And I'm like getting, ah, I got to eat food, you know? Um, 
that I think leads people to eat more sugar and then they have a spike and then they have a crash and then they have a spike and a crash and it's just a vicious cycle and trying to get them out of it can be really difficult. Absolutely. Yeah. Thinking about the science of it can make you go crazy. Like measuring your food, getting your macros and your micros in. But like I said, it really, yes, have a protein and a fat with each meal so that your blood sugar can be consistent. And when you're talking about carbs, they're not evil either, but you should have them with some fiber in there. So in a whole food, you know, such as fruit and veggies, they have carbs, but they also have so many good nutrients and fiber and water content. And, you know, bread or other things that contain, you know, flour, that's, yes, that is the evil carb, you know, so to speak. It could have gluten or other intolerable things for people. But another part of that is because we've made our flours white and refined them for so long that once we started saying, oh, whole wheat is healthy, people began to have stomach issues because now they lost the enzyme to digest whole wheat because it's been refined for so long. So I think that's part of the issue too with, you know, gluten sensitivity and other types of sensitivities because we've taken it out of our supply and now putting it back, we don't, we can't handle it anymore. We can't handle it. And, and really, I mean, I choose to not ever eat those products, but you can, you just have to moderation with it and maybe like only one serving of that a day or something certainly not what the food pyramid you know (laughs) years ago like I actually said I mean gosh that's just it's crazy to me to think about that now um but in and people can get really hooked on those those sugary foods and um just a matter of having them substitute something else like cauliflower rice is a, is a great idea for regular rice. Um, and I like um, Dr. Hyman, I think he's actually the one that like really talks about this and promotes this, but having vegetables at every meal, which yeah. I think is something that people don't do. And even I really have a hard time sometimes, but then I'm like, well, why can't I just make an omelet every day? It's super easy and you throw in your greens there's your vegetables, you know, you have that throughout the day and making that your main kind of um, piece of the plate. And then your, your protein and some of the other things is like your side items, which I think helps people kind of translate it more to what does my plate look like? Yeah. Your plate is full of vegetables and greens and all kinds of beautiful colors. And then you have like your meat on the side and then your, your oil to go with it for your, your good fat. Then that's like a healthy meal right there, like a rainbow on, on your plate. And if you kind of aim for that variety every day, then you really, I mean, that's what you need to do. And it'll, it'll be easier that way, I think, too. Yeah, and eat the rainbow doesn't refer to Skittles. It refers to different color vegetables. (laughs) Yeah, it's different color vegetables that nature has provided with, you know, and each color has certain kind of minerals and vitamins that it's rich in. And so combining all of that will make sure that you have all of the micronutrients that you need. And I agree with you about eggs. Besides certain people that also can't tolerate it or allergic it's actually a really good health food. It's a superfood. It has so many vitamins. And so just, you know, having that one egg a day will get you a lot of your B vitamins and, you know. Oh yeah. Yeah. Your B vitamins for sure. I mean, it's loaded, loaded with them. 
it's a healthful pregnancy food. So, you know, it, it is, especially if it's like locally sourced from your local farm, you know, and not a factory farm. It's, and the richer the yolk is, you know, the darker orange it is, then that's what you know, that's how nutritious it is. And mm -hmm. the lighter colored aren't as nutritious or good. Yeah, I try to make sure, well, I'm, I mean, I know I do. I only buy like um, pasture raised mm -hmm. and um, grass-fed beef, that kind of thing. Cause uh, you just, the other sources they're fed Oh my gosh. Again, Dr. Hyman, like uh, so much from him, but his, one of his books talked about how <laughs> I know, um, farm animals can be fed junk food yeah, and to fatten them up. And so I try to tell people, so I, you know, you're going to eat that and that's what they use to like fatten animals for slaughter. Like, so that means it's going to fatten you. Like, if you think about it, like, food chain it's going to be even kind more complicated and they're like oh i you know i never thought of it that way but i mean that's the way to do it. you're going to eat that and they ate that and ooh, no. <laughs> yeah. and the reason sometimes we um equate or try to reach that french culture and like strive for that is because they value the quality not the quantity so yeah, you can buy much more for your money in quantity for, you know, if you don't care about the sourcing, but if you just focus on the quality and just have a smaller piece, it will be so much more satisfying if you, you know, grill it with the right herbs, put right. oils on it, you know, treat it with care and respect and, you know, smell it as you're cooking it and sit down and enjoy it instead of like quickly, you know, gulfing it down before you get back to work or whatever. Yeah. So it, it's a whole culture of how to approach our food and yes. yeah. It really, it really, I hope that it's going to go towards that. And if you're just mindful of what you're putting in and that's kind of another piece of it too, is people are not mindful of like how much they eat or, you know, um, what is the quality like am i going to this restaurant this fast food restaurant like every day after work because i'm just in a rush and i don't know what to do you know that that just leads into that habit of, of poor eating that like it's really hard to break it's really yeah. hard to break absolutely so i want to go back to your personal story and what helped you finally get off that ppi and how you then decided to take this on as your business model. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I, to come off of it, I mean, that was a struggle. I took months because I basically had no acid. So my, I mean, my stomach hurt all the time, but I just made a deal with myself that I was going to figure it out. I mean, it didn't matter. I, I tried over the years to come off and I could not, because I didn't have all the information, I just couldn't stay off of it because my, the foods I was eating was still causing problems and I just didn't know it. Um, and I started listening to Dr. Hyman's podcast actually, and just like hearing about all the food and thinking, okay, well, I, that's gotta be my problem. It has to be. Um, I went to so many GI specialists. It's not even funny. None of them ever could help me. I mean, I had one basically tell me, well, just, you know, it's, you're fine staying on the medication and there's nothing physically wrong with you. And I'm like, but there must be something wrong. It's not normal to have, you know, indigestion every time that you 
feet to have burning to where it's coming up into my throat. I mean, I couldn't, sometimes I felt like I was hoarse because it was just, it was up into my throat. Um, so I just, I decided I was going to figure it out. I kept a journal, which was so time consuming <laughs> and, and hard. And I had eliminated so many things and I, I basically had this healthy nutrition plan, but I was still having problems. Um, and that's when I decided to go get a test for a food sensitivity, um, which nobody had even, I mean, my whole life since I was like 15, nobody told me I should even do this. And it was just something that I started researching. Um, and when that test came back, it was totally eye opening because it was healthy foods that I would have never thought to eliminate it. Um, almonds, bananas, yeah. <laughs> um, and as soon as I stopped having almonds and bananas, and those were two things I had almost every day because they're healthy. I would put them in smoothies. I didn't think anything of it. And once I stopped those piece, pieces, and, um, and I had stopped the gluten a long time ago just to try it, and those were the last two pieces of the puzzle. And it, reflux gone. I mean, wow. it, was, it was a total miracle. So now I'm like, I'm never going back. I want to try to slowly introduce some things, um, that are on the list as I continue to heal and, um, take digestive enzymes. And then I started working with a functional medicine practitioner who's really helped me like heal my stomach from that. And I, I still think I have a long way to go because I was on those medications for so long. Um, and it's still sometimes I'll have some issues and I can't really figure out why, but she said, that's just, it will come with time and continuing to have those foods out of there and taking things to heal the stomach, like essential fatty acids, um, B12 that I was deficient in, um, iron too, like all of my micronutrients that were basically tanked because I wasn't absorbing them. Wow. So I try to kind of use that in my practice of like nutrition really needs to be the main piece of whatever it is that your journey, it, whether you want to lose weight or you need help to lower your blood sugar, um, nutrition piece, and then adding in functional exercises to help with that. Um, and I think sometimes people just don't, they don't know how to exercise or they don't know what to do. And you know, again, it doesn't have to be overly complicated when you start out, you just start adding in, um, walks and then adding in squats. And I think it helps to have somebody that can see everything that you should be doing and slowly start kind of adding that in, um, to help. And I, previous to like all my stomach issues, when I started the personal training, um, I just totally had it all wrong. I, all I was doing was running. And I honestly believed that was how women stayed skinny and fit. Like I, I just I had no clue. Nobody had ever taught me anything exercise related. Um, and then I stopped running as much. I started weightlifting. I started eating more and I actually lost two pants sizes, which I wasn't even trying to do that. I was just trying to, feel better about myself. I felt like I was, um, killing myself running all the time. I mean, I did several marathons, half marathons, 
and I, I just felt tired all the time. I felt crappy. I thought this can't be the way that life is. <laughs> Something has to change. Um, and it was just adding in the resistance training and the weightlifting and not doing so much cardio and really just killing myself, pounding the pavement um, and eating more. Um, I mean, sometimes I would get home and eat a baked potato after working all day. I mean, I just I had no idea how all that um, foods and and um, exercise kind of wove together to be healthier and to feel better and to have actual energy. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's crazy to lose weight by eating more and running less just blew my mind. And I thought I have to impart this to other people too, because they're probably in the same situation that I was that I just need to run more. Oh man, I need two more pounds. Let me just run some more and that's just not the way to go yeah it's paradoxical but it does make sense you know our body is not our enemy so it's always trying to preserve us and if you're running and not eating enough it thinks you're in this fight or flight stressful mode all the time it's pumping out your adrenaline and your cortisol and now you're like on hyper alert, but you are actually putting on and holding on to the weight because right. you thinks, okay, in case like, you know, I'm going to have to keep running for a while from that predator. Yes. <laughs> Let me just hold on to the weight. I don't know when the next time will be that I can go and eat and rest and relax. So, you know, it's on your side. It's trying to preserve you, but it doesn't make sense in today's world to, you know, have that same stress response. And now when you slow down, you started nurturing yourself and, um, doing the weightlifting, then your body said, okay, like we can relax a little bit. We can, you know, put on some muscle weight now yes. and shed the, you know, the other weight. So that makes total sense if you really think about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it really does. And you have to kind of like teach people that, that shift their mindset, especially with, same with the food and the, um, the fat and the sugar, like shift the mindset there and shift the mindset with the, um, the exercise piece and, that's really what I, I try to do, you know, as far as running my business, that's kind of the, the model of helping people understand what it is to have a healthy lifestyle and how to create like some of those habits that will, I mean, not for now, but for forever, for the rest of their life. It's not just this quick fix. It's, oh, I'm sorry. (laughs) It's not a quick fix. It's just, something for the rest of their lives that they um, can do and feel good about. And I think especially women just empowering them to lift weights and that to be strong, like you're not going to lift weights and the next day look like a man. I mean, that's not how it works. Um, You know, my ex-husband actually told me something that resonated with me probably forever is when I first started lifting weights, I kind of had that mindset of like, I don't want to look like a man, you know, like, and he said, the day that you wake up and look like one, I'll tell you, you've gone too far, (laughs) you know? And it's like, Oh, that makes total sense. Like it's not going to be the next day. All of a sudden, like my body has changed and like, you know, um, so that's when I try to get women to realize, like, you're not going to start doing this. And all of a sudden, it's just going to be like, oh, no, I've gone too far. You know, that's not going to happen. <laughs> yeah, you could certainly target muscle groups that you want to tone, you know, that will still make you appear feminine. You don't have to go and, like, have that triangular male shape. You could 
just have an even tone around the muscle groups in your body. Yeah. Yeah. And I want to also go back to what you said about the acid for a second. Um, so yeah, the reason you were iron deficient and, uh, you know, B12 deficient is because you actually need acid to absorb these things. Yeah. <laughs> and also acid protects from infections and, you know, helps us defend ourselves and helps us preserve our health. So it's not actually such a good idea to suppress your acid, for, especially for a long time. Yeah, I mean, forever. Like, <laughs> I just think, I mean, I continue to be, sometimes I'm frustrated, I get frustrated when I don't feel like I'm totally healed, but then I have to think, well, I was 15 when I was put on these medications and I'm now 37. So I, it's not even been a year that I've been totally off of um, something, you know, as I was like weaning off. So I, I mean, I hope in the next year that um, I will be totally healed from that. But you know, I mean, yeah, no, cause I'm still dealing with these micronutrient issues too sometimes. And um, yeah, it's crazy. It, it, yeah, it takes a long time for bodies to get into a state of when symptoms show up or, you know, when we realize something is off. So then you need to also give time for the body to come back and heal and balance. Yeah, yeah. And, and it I does find, take time. Yeah, and my story I just wanted to share really quick. Um, I was actually put on all those things because I had weird symptoms and um, nobody could figure out what it was. And for it was like belching, like over the top belching. And it was really embarrassing. And I went to the gastroenterologist too, and they had me do an endoscopy and then they put me on crazy antibiotics and then they put me on the proton pump inhibitor. Yeah. And, you know, none of that even helped, first of all. And second of all, um, it was, I realized later that it was a big, actually mindfulness component for me and actually like sitting down to eat my food because I would be like studying, you know, diagrams of rats and like their anatomy and eating at the same time, you know, as right. a pharmacy student. So that just like didn't agree with me. No wonder I was like, you know, oh, yeah. coming up. and second of all, you know, always go, go, go. Um, and that, you know, so just being mindful and like present first of all. And then second of all, what finally did help me was actually taking Chinese herbal medicine in tea form. And it only took like three sessions to get the right formula. So it was probably like overall, like about a week long treatment of just drinking two cups of tea a day. And the symptoms were gone after that, like forever. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty, I mean, it's so amazing. Like those those old things that, you know, have been around forever too, and just mindful practices are really why, why we have transitioned to this. Everything has to be a pill to solve your problems is, um, it seems like the easy way, but it actually comes with a lot of nuances and side effects and yeah. that we can avoid. Um, yeah. I know. So like a couple rules too. Like I don't, um, I don't drink when I'm eating cause then you dilute like all your digestive enzymes. So I just, I just eat. I try to make sure I'm hydrated before and like 30 minutes after. And then I really do try to just eat and be mindful of like what I'm consuming and slow down and not try to do a million things at once, which is really hard at work. But lately I've told my technicians like, 
I'm eating, like I'm sitting down, I'm eating and like, I'm not, I'm not getting up. I'm not doing anything else. Like you, it's your job to let me have this lunch break. You know? Yeah. yeah. It's, it's tough. Um, I'm in an independent setting, so it's a little easier for me, but I know that in, you know, pharmacy in general, it's so hard to, you know, just carve out 15 minutes to yeah. go for a meal. Um, okay, well, thank you so much, first of all, for sharing, you know, your personal story and your wisdom with us today. And if you just have a couple more minutes, I have a rapid fire round for us. Okay. <laughs> all right. So what's your number one advice for people to implement so they could have a better quality of life right now? Right now, move, get moving. Um, don't be addicted to a Netflix show. Like don't binge watch, um, set your phone if you have to, but just get moving. I don't care even what it is. I walk around the block, get up and go wash some dishes, go up and down your stairs, whatever it is that you can do some squats in between commercials, but just get moving. Yeah. I also like the idea of like, if there are stairs in your building, just take the stairs, you know, because yes. that's your exercise. Like I live on the 16th floor and I will often just go down the 16 flights as part of my exercise. Yeah. <laughs> that's a good one too. Yeah. Um, okay. If you, um, if you had one perfect, okay, this is probably too long. So I'll skip this one. Okay. Great. What is a heavier favorite pastime of yours? Oh man. Um, well, I love to read. So I, I, I literally carry a book everywhere that I go. Um, I would say reading and, and working out. I love working. out. <laughs> love it. Um, okay. What is your favorite beverage? Oh, that's a good one. Um, probably my smoothies that I make. So, which is just whatever I want to kind of throw into it. Cause I always feel like I'm cooking when I do that. Um, my niece laughs. She does say that I cook cause I make my smoothies. So that's probably my favorite beverage. Awesome. Okay. Lastly, please tell the listeners how they can learn more about your work and how they can get in touch with you. Yes. Um, so I do have a website, um, uh, farmdfitness.com. And then, um, you can look me up on Facebook too, Laura Hedrick at farmd fitness. Those are the best ways to get a hold of me. Awesome. I'll have all of that in our show notes for easy access. And again, Laura, thank you so much. I had so much fun recording this with you. Thank you. Enjoy the rest of your day. Bye. Bye.
as always please send any questions inquiries requests to me my email is marina at rawfork.com or just go on my website rawfork.com leave me a note there thank you and have a great week ahead